Mickey Mouse to Animal Kingdom. Mickey Mouse to Animal Kingdom. Come in, Animal Kingdom. This is Animal Kingdom Control. We read you loud and clear. A heffalump or boozle is very confusal. Grandma the Willow, they're getting closer and we don't know the secret yet. Now we fly like Peter Pan from Disney's Magic Kingdom over to... My friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 342 for the week of November 10th, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic to wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, audio tours, and more. You can find everything over at WDWRadio.com. So I just returned from our WDW Radio cruise on the Disney Fantasy with so much to share from an amazing week at sea. And this week, I have audio from my onstage sit-down conversation with my special guest, author Ridley Pearson. But as a surprise to me, Ridley turns the tables and interviews me. And then we both take some questions from the audience as well. Stay tuned for some additional coverage, videos, photos, and lots more in the coming weeks on the show and on the blog, as well as Facebook from our cruise. I'll then have the answer to our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, and then pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Stay tuned. I'll have some updates about upcoming events, including our next cruises, plural, meets of the month, as well as more of your voicemails. So sit back, relax, And enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. You know I say at the end of every show and truly consider each and every one of you not just a friend, whether we've met yet or not, but part of my extended family. And you guys have really once again demonstrated that friendship and support because WDW Radio was just nominated for a podcast award in the travel category over at podcastawards.com. And I am sincerely honored and grateful and humble for that recognition. And it really is all about you and your support and the community that you guys have created together. And I want to ask you for a little bit of help because starting Friday, November 1st, If you visit podcastawards.com, you can vote for WDW Radio in the travel category, which is on the lower right-hand corner of the slate of categories. Be sure to include your name and a valid email address because your vote is likely going to need to be verified by clicking on an email that you're going to receive from the podcast awards. Remember, you can vote once per day every day until the voting period ends, and obviously your votes every day are necessary and important to helping the show. And you also know that at the end of every show, I ask that if you like the show to please help spread the word and tell others if possible. I want to ask if you could please do the same here. Please share the link on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and Google Plus and let your friends know as well. Thank you so very much for all the support and most importantly, all the friendship that you've extended to me 
The greatest reward has always been getting to share my passion for Disney with you. And for that, I am truly grateful beyond words. Again, vote daily starting Friday, November 1st over at podcastawards.com. This nomination is by, for, and about you. So thank you.
was trying to be Jackson Brown and James Taylor, and I spent uh, 11 years writing music for two different bands and uh, traveling across the country, and we made some basement albums and sold them out of the back of our 66 passenger Bluebird school bus <laughs> that we had converted to hold us all and sleep us all, and uh, lived in absolute abject poverty for uh, 10 years, which is great because it really you know, teaches you the value of the dollar. Um, I, at one point in this, uh, I was, for a large part of this, I was based in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, we, I spent one winter in Providence, Rhode Island, where I had completely run out of money, um, was playing for $50 a night. And uh, my, the manager of our band and I uh, lived in this in a tenement. We had uh, two holes in our bathroom wall, and we had um, magic markered over the holes. Harvey, and I forget the other guy's name, because we had wharf rats. That came into that the place at night and were the size of cats. These things were, and I was terrified. And when I heard them scratching around, I just wouldn't sleep all night. But we we ran out of money, and we spent um, two full months, billing months, living in this apartment in down clothing because they had turned our gas off. Um, so I couldn't even practice in there, practice my music because my fingers, you know, would freeze. You could see your breath all day long. Um, it was really, and you know, it was great for me because I, uh, as I say, I, well, I, I certainly, I learned the value of a dollar and I realized I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. Surprise. Um, and I had a blast playing music, but I just knew, you know, when I get to my 30s or 40s and want to have a family, there was no way I could do it. So I started writing and uh, eventually, eight and a half years later, sold how many here know the history of Lumangella? Because I think what I'd like to do is spend just a minute here interviewing the other direction. This guy has always given out. So I thought what we really want to do today, because I'll talk a little bit, uh, I'm going to give a talk later and, and we can even use some of this to talk about me to just come on as a guy. But how did you, because we all know at one point you were an attorney, um, and I've heard you had some other businesses and crazy stuff you've done. But catch us up on how an attorney living in New Jersey ends up uh, a media mogul. You know, it, with I, I go across the country. I mean, we all joke about me being a media mogul, but I, go, I travel all over the country signing my Kingdom Keepers books. And I was telling you, I think just this morning or last night, that it's not uncommon for the ninth person in the line and the 54th person in the line to say, I found out about you through WDW Radio. I Lou Mangiello, you know, and, and they wear the Lou Mangiello stuff and they say, I'm in the box. Now, you know, when you don't know the cool terms early on and some, you know, some pretty woman, you know, comes up and she says, I'm in the box. And I go, Security! You know, but, but tell us how this happened, because it's uh, it's pretty interesting that you could come out of attorneydom and be this person you are today. So I, I was a uh, I was a lawyer in Jersey, and I was living in Boston. And what in kind of law? In a van down by the river. Um, what kind of law were you? No, no, I said, uh, we had a general litigation practice. Okay, so, I so you sued people. I was I was on the good guy side. Oh, you were on the good guy side. I was on the plaintiff side. So I was... I believe my, my dad was a lawyer, and I really believe this, this was a noble profession. Sure. Well, 
people uh, along the way. Uh, I say that to agree that L.A. Law and, and Justice for All, they lied to me because being a lawyer was not like that. Well, you know that when those shows ran, the admittance to legal, you know, just like with medical school, just assumed. So give us an example of uh, one of your litigation cases. Do you remember any of them? Oh, gosh. I, I had some. I had some that uh, went on for, for years and years and years. Uh, but the thing about my practice was somebody would come to you because they maybe were injured at work, and then they'd come back because they were buying a house, and they would come back because uh, they were getting divorced, and then they might come back for a DUI. And so, so it was like, you. <laughs> well, you know, the, but the, the tough thing about being a lawyer um, that I think people forget is people only come to you with the lawyer the guy, I was still. I was waiting for the measure of I just won the lottery. Now what do I do? And that client never came in. But uh, it, it was something that I enjoyed doing, and, uh, and I did like helping people. And I, and I like being practice with my dad um, because I don't like to sleep. And I was. Uh, we were talking about sort of being a young nerd. Um, I had a computer consulting company on the side, so that's a good thing. But we're talking about that. How do you get into a computer consulting? I mean, you go. Oh, I had a computer. So I was, um, I, I didn't date very much in high school. Um, I had my Tandy TRS-80 and my Apple TV and I. You know, we would teach ourselves how to use a computer and we were fascinated by what it could and could not do. And as time went on, I saw businesses were starting to get wired up and network and need websites. Their problem was that they were not in the IT business. You know, they were spending like an enormous amount of time trying to figure out how do I network my computers? How do I get the software? How do I build a website? So I wanted to be that single point of contact because I'm just so like a geek squad. I was a geek squad. Okay. I was a geek squad, and it was I never advertised this. It was just like, oh, hey, my son knows how to do this, or hey, this guy, this is my friend's son, and so I sort of grew my business by word of mouth. And were you a one man shop, or did you have other geek friends helping? I was primarily a one man shop, okay. um, which is the blessing of the curse. Right. You really scale yourself so much. Um, it's tough to find people who have the same vested interest in your company as you do. Right. Um, but yeah, so I was doing that on the side. I was, so I might wake up in the morning and go to court, and then I'd run to a networking client and find out why the network is down, and I'm in my suit on the floor, pulling cable, you know, under desk, trying oh to get them. I go back, I see clients, I come home, I inhale my dinner, and I would do web development until two o'clock in the morning. Oh my! So, uh, I, sort of, I left the practice of law to do the IT stuff at the and uh, we're still always doing that well. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, you know, before the bubble burst in the, uh, the early 2000s, it was very, very interesting. Uh, and I found myself spending more time. And I loved it. And you were still one man shot? I was still one man shot. Okay. And I didn't want to do what you love. It doesn't feel like Did you have a name for your business? Uh, I did. And it was? It was a massive enterprise. Is that right? Oh, I never said that before, did I? Wow. How cool is that? Is it that Um, yeah, so I mean, every geek just then ends up the media mogul that you are. Pretty much, it's a very simple And that happened. Happened to run your sites that we can't say because they're kids in the room. So yeah, so I was I was I was a lawyer and I was doing the IT stuff and having I always sort of had the entrepreneurial spirit. But when did you get the Disney infection? When I was three. Seriously? Yeah. We were talking before about driving back and forth to Florida, New York, Florida, Walt Disney World. Oh, that's a lovely place. So, as I was always in the service business, I had this idea that I wanted to, I wanted to make something more to sell it. It's my favorite book came to be. So, I set out a personal challenge for myself. Can I write a book, but more importantly, can I be validated and get it published by somebody else? So, 
I learned everything I could about the book publishing industry. Um, I sent out an inordinate amount of query letters. I know that. And I still have, we've said, like, I still have my stack of all the rejections that I got. Uh, they are good. Yeah. You get those because they come. They aren't simply that we don't want your book. They are photocopied so many times that you need the NSA to decrypt them. <laughs> and then when they finally send the note back to you, it says, we do not want you or your book. Go get it. It's hard not to take it personally. It is. You like, you like, this is the best book idea ever. Like, who's not going to want a book about Disneyland? Who's not going to want to, you know, but then you get, I don't know if you had written yours, but in my case, of course, you've spent four or five years, six or seven, eight hours a day doing this, and they all write back and say, no. And, you know, it's not no, fix this, fix that, fix this. It's just, no. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. So, but yeah, so I had this idea of writing a book. And I always just had sort of used to smell about this people in my head, so I was surprised it was no specific book. But so I, I wrote the book I wanted to read. That's, that's the key. And was it Disney, Disney World, World or another okay. trivia book? Uh, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, all of them? All the parks. Um, so I had the idea, and I went downstairs uh, to my office, and I just started just brain And I just started writing, just writing. And I went up, and I'll never forget the night that I went upstairs my uh, also very incredibly supportive wife uh, was upstairs watching TV. I said, you know, I have this idea for, for a book. She goes, drinking glass watching a book. All you know about it is Disney World. I was like, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and you need to do something with all that useless Disney knowledge. Other than boring me at the dinner table, please just <laughs> go down to the basement and I, and I basically have a list. But I mean, we've all been to Disneyland or Disney World. How does one end up with all that useless? How did you actually end up with trivia in your head, and and that you were confident enough to know that your trivia nobody knew? Because um, that's, I mean, that's a different level of knowledge than most of us have. And you got this from going into the park or reading books about the park. I, mean, I just wanted to, I, I wanted to, it was a sponge. Um, because as I started to get older, you know, we kept going every year, right? And I loved it, and it was about less about. You know, Attractions to the shows and the memories I was having with my family. So this is sort of our, our happy place. This is what we look forward to every year. And as I got older, I remember, I literally remember driving in and I was fascinated with telling my parents, I was following my kids, and they were like, so beautiful all the time and it's so huge. And I wanted to learn about the infrastructure. And the more I learned, the, and I see the deeper that I started to dig in terms of anything that I could read, anybody that I was able to talk to. Okay. Um, and they would explain to me what it was to accept this. So it was the cast member. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And I was, you know, I was going to, you know, buy every souvenir book and buy every videotape that they had and every newspaper thing I could read. Um, and then, you know, for me, with the advent of the internet, I was able to acquire it and more do it. And I just became more and more fascinated. I think the more that you learn, it is spoiled in that. I think it really enhanced it for you. That was the concern about Kingdom Keepers is, you know, if you write a book about five teenagers going inside the park after dark and you reveal a lot about backstage, do you kill the magic? And um, I argued, no. I mean, the more the more curiosity and, the, and the, you know, the more times that you go into a ride and go, I know what's behind there, you know, the more fascination there. And you and the characters, you know, are living every one of these things down the street. Yeah, yeah. Being in the parks after dark. Having that kind of access, seeing things that we only sort of imagine in our mind's eye, what they might look like. But what we both share is a wild curiosity. I think I think writers, uh, artists have that. 
you certainly have that. How do you go from writing a book to being Mr. Blogger Man? So, 2003, I started writing. My book came out in May 2014, and I remember I created my first little two-page website about just sort of promoting the book. Right? I wanted to get the word out there about the book, and then I started uh, writing articles, which sort of blog posts back in 2004. Um, on your own website, and how were you promoting your own website? So I was a member of other different communities, or a member of other discussion forums uh, online, and I was playing trivia games and sort of just meeting other people virtually, and I was amazed that, uh, that they existed. And I said, you know, I want to sort of create my own space. I want a place that's going to be uh, very friendly, very welcoming, very family-oriented. Not every place was as uh, warm and fuzzy as, as I hoped it was. I really believe that Maybe something here uh, in terms of the audience. And then it led to 
how, how soon after that first one did you do a second? Like the next day? Week after. The week after. So every Wednesday or something? It was, uh, it used to always be every Sunday, every Sunday. So I had my first show, I had a, I had a partner who was called. Anybody listen to Mouse Tunes way back when? Oh, I remember Mouse Tunes. Is that you? That was me. Oh, yeah. And you guys kept on listening, which still amazes me to no end. So yeah, I did Mouse Tunes for a couple of years, and then um, we got our divorce, and the very next week, I started WM Radio because I said, if I wait one more day, I'm going to lose you. I'm going to go somewhere So what were your numbers? Do you remember your numbers the second week? Or the third week or thereafter? No, I never really paid close attention. And you still don't. It's not a cool thing. No one doesn't pay any attention to those numbers. The rest of the universe hangs on their numbers. There's like, I'm just sending it out there, and I hope you're out there. I said I would do the same show for one person as I would do the other. Yeah, same with writing a book. Yeah. I'd write it for my daughter, and other people want to buy it, that's great. Right. And the nice thing about podcasts is that they're, they're out there forever. Yeah, I find Are those early ones still in your archive? So don't go back and listen to show number one. It, it was six minutes of pure torture. Um, oh, boy. I, it took me hours to create that first show by myself. And um, look back and listen back. My goodness, that was there. But I think, you know, you start to find your voice, find your rhythm, and what resonates with people. And did you stay with once a week, or have you ever gone into more than once a week? Or? So I, uh, I stayed with once a week, and um, and up until uh, up until I guess it was February 2010, I never missed a week. Wow. I never and then when it was a week, my dad died, and I was it's okay because I was close, and I was like, I'm getting this show out by Sunday. Um, I was close, and I didn't. And as you know, sometimes I missed a week here and there, you know, like that. But I started to. Part of, the, part of the good problem was I started to do more. So I started to put videos out and I started to do a live broadcast. So I, I was always trying to generate as much content as I could in the way that I think people are most comfortable. And how did you think, um, I mean, when you make a jump to video, is that just your face in the box? So how did you think that was going to be, how, how did you think that was going to fly? I mean, what is there, is there a way you thought about making the video fun or... Yeah, I, I think I knew I had to start doing video. Yeah, um, because of just the way the world is going to go. Right. Um, and again, I think some people are more comfortable sitting in the car, sitting at the treadmill, sitting at the desk, listening to a show. Other people want to see it. And so for me, I didn't want to be just another guy doing a ride through a big turnaround and just putting the camera out right. or walking to the parks. I, I wanted to sort of help connect them to the experience. So. When I do the videos, it was always I, I wanted to turn the camera around, not because I think I have a beautiful face and people want to see me, but I am standing in their stead. I am there as them. As them, I want you to sort of experience it through me, and I want to have fun. And um, there's never been a script. There's never a lot of there's never been an idea. I just would turn the camera around and turn around. Like you know what? Today we're going to talk about the, the things in the magic kingdom that made this happen. And I would just sort of pick things up as I would go. Uh, the very first video I ever did was the opening of the T-Rex Cafe in oh. Disney. Um, and I had a buddy help me. <laughs> Still one of your best. Well, and it's funny because, thank you, see, always so supportive. I know. Um, I, I put that video out there and, uh, you know, not knowing how it was going to respond. And I remember going to my kid's school one day. Because my son obviously was you know, six at the time, and every six year old boy loves dinosaurs. And this is up in New Jersey. Uh, 
or the town here? I was thinking I was living in Naples, probably. Naples, okay. But not here, not in Orlando. I wasn't in Orlando yet. I was still sort of making the commute to Walt Disney World. And I go to my kid's school, and my son's teacher goes, oh, so I understand you own T-Rex Cafe. I was like, oh, no, wait. To my son, that's what he saw was that it was my thing. So I, I really like doing the video. Uh, Were they disappointed when they realized you didn't own Walt Disney? And you make the jump to video, and you have a did, did you do your studio stuff then? Because a lot of it's in the studio. Yeah, so... Or was it... Were you really focusing on location, location, location? At the it was all... All the videos I would do would just be in the parks. So right. Well, because people wanted to see where I was while I was the right. uh, But at some point, I was still living in New Jersey. This was probably 2007. So you couldn't do that every week. So I wasn't doing it every week. Yeah, right. I was doing what I, what I could. But in 2007... Um, there was a, a new technology that had just come out, and we're starting to get a little bit easier to use. We really have a geek. I am a geek. Because um, you always have to be, you know, you have to look at what's not okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're, you're in the moment right now. I mean, look, here on the cruise, you see, right? We're, we're, we're the, the first day of the cruise, we're already talking about the next cruise. Right. We're talking about what, what we're going to do next. So I saw that everything that I was doing was a push conversation, right? Um, I was pushing out audio, I was pushing out video, I was pushing out audio, and I'm a, I'm a handshake and a hug kind of guy. I, I, I very much, I, I like the interaction. That's why I chose the, I was a theater major when I started. I, I wanted to, I wanted to be with other people. And I saw that you were able to broadcast video and have people chat with you in real time. I said, oh, this is really interesting. And I will never forget. I said, you know, I'm going to try this out. Right, so I put a message out to my discussion forum. I said, I'm going to try this thing out. I'm going to broadcast so you guys can watch. I was in my basement in New Jersey, and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go downstairs. It'll be like 10 minutes. Nobody's going to show up for this thing. And I, I don't know. I'm just going to be. So about seven hours later, she comes downstairs. Oh, my God. She goes, who the fuck are you talking to? I hear you upstairs. I said, I don't know. There's people, like, in this thing. And what are you talking about? I don't know. I don't. And it was so you're on a screen, and over here on the right is a lot of tech. That's what I mean by talking. Right, right. Yeah, they yeah. were chatting back to me in real time and, and asking me questions and telling me what to do. And there's just me, like, in, you know, sitting at my desk. And it's like, that it was sort of my, like, aha moment. I was like, there's something here. Uh, and it was great for me because I got to hear back from people as opposed to waiting to get an email or waiting to get something to Oh, that's so. And that's how the box was born. That's the box. And what date was that? Oh, gosh. It, it's 2007 or something. At, at some and I would do it from my house. You know, I would do it from the box. I, you know, now I can do it from my home. So sort of turn on and I can do it from a line at a Ridley Pearson book signing in, in, in downtown Disney. I mean, right. And you see that sort of, because the thing is, when they can't, it's not a matter of, hey, look where I am. It's, hey, you can't be here. I want to bring it to share that experience with you. And that's what we, you know, the books on this stuff is the same way, too. People love, like, oh, I can't be down there, but I love with you, Chris, and they like the dynamic of the energy of the So now you're, now you have the box. You obviously have amazing following at that point. Have you, at this point, committed to it as a life endeavor? Is it, is it the thing putting cereal on the table? When you hit that first moment of the box, were you, were you sort of professional by then and living off it? 
or were you still doing jobs and that kind of stuff? Oh, gosh. I think at that point, I was still, I think I was a chief technology officer. We had a, I was going to go medical imaging center. I was going to do the tech stuff. And at some point, you make a leap and decide there's a way to live off of that. There's a, uh, there's a huge leap of faith. That's a huge leap of faith. That's a huge yeah. leap of faith. But you have to make that. Your wife has to go along with you in that, which is yeah. terrifying. Yeah. 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 No parachutes there. No yeah. parachutes there. Only these silk. No. They're paper and they rip. Yeah, I always say you need to take a leap of faith. You need that little parachute behind you, but sometimes you need to take that leap of faith. Because I want you to look back with gratitude. Like, oh, God, when I was 45, why didn't I do this? Yeah. You know, um, I believe that people should get up every morning and just like, love what they're doing. I'm like, God, I can't wait to go to work. Don't be like, oh, I hate it. It's a job. But I can't wait to go home and work on whatever. Whatever that, whatever it is, it's 2014. Like, there's such a golden opportunity to take that and, and turn that into something you love. But it's a, it's a scary sort of thing to do that, especially when you have that. So slowly you become able to live off it. And then how does it go from sitting in your basement and chatting with people all around the world to physically expanding out because that eventually and you wrote I think more books right during this period so at this point have you already done another trivia book yeah a second trivia book is by 2006 um, clearly I'm way behind on my deadline for my publisher for book three the Nicholas edition which I promise you is going to be in my publisher's hands by December 31st I will have it in my why did I just? I, that was such a mistake. That was really a bad. Forget it like that. Forget it like that. That's the best podcast. Um, so yeah, and um, yeah, I started to create other products as well too. I did audio walking tours of other parks. And is that a podcast again, or is no? Is that? I make physical CDs. Uh, oh, okay. And so I took them land by land because what was happening was people. I would go with friends or go with family, and we sort of tour the parks. And people liked that I was doing episodes of the show and the really detailed end, those really people seem to enjoy. So my goal was to make their appreciation of the parks deeper. Right. So I said, I'm going to sort of take you on a tour. I can't take all of you on a tour with me all the time, so I'm going to create these walking tours with the ambient sounds behind you and take these like audio tours of parks too. And when did you make the jump to your your meets? Oh gosh. So and that's not that and the ET. Yes, we used to be an event um, once a year in December at Walt Disney World. Where a lot of Disney communities would get together and, and meet up, and so just sponsored by Disney or on their own. We just did okay. our own small. It was called Mouse Fest. Uh, okay, that's where I met you know some some people for the first time. And people were like, "Oh man, that stinks so bad! I, I can't get down there at Christmas." So as I started going to Disney World more often, even though I was in New Jersey, I'm like, "Well, look, I'm going to be there this week. Let's just get together. Let's meet up at Tomorrowland Terrace. Let's meet up at wherever." Um, and then I started doing it in January of 2009. I said, you know what? I'm going to come and do one once a month. You know, let's do, let's do a monthly meetup I, because I go back to this. We are all friends. We're not, and it wasn't, it's not about giving people a chance to meet me at all. It's sure. for me to meet them and more importantly for them to meet And does the meet then go out and do attractions or do you hang out and talk and chat and share? And it's up. Usually we just sort of hang out and talk and share and then whoever sort of Exactly. That's how we, you know, food is always a part of Party of 47 for Pecos Girls Cafe, please. And I will tell you, um, and a lot of people who are in this room are, are testing that the people who have become my best friends, I have met through those guys. And there's been marriages that come out too. So. Nice. Nice. Nice marriages. Yeah. yeah. 
Now you get out of meats, and suddenly you're on ships. You're on ships. Yes. Yeah, so my, I hosted my first cruise back in 2007, which was to Magic. Was that a four-dayer? Oh God. Yeah, three-dayer. Four-day. Three-day. I don't know. Three-day. Four-day. Four days. So instead of a meet, you said you're you posted in the box or something. Hey, I'm going on a ship. Anybody wants to come? Come on along. Things are better when we're shared with people that you love. And again, you can eat together. You can oh, we eat together. Yeah. Don't you worry about that. You can drink together. I you know, lemonade. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, over the past, uh, this is now this is our third one where we've been partnered up with Mousetrap Travel. We've been on the green twice. Fantasy. We're going back on the green next year. And so I've started to do. Where are you going next? Year? Year? We are going to the Bahamas. We're going to the Bahamas. I'm going to And we're going to combine that. Um, we're going to buy the cruise with another event that we do sort of like this e-ticket event where we just have a semester of e-ticket. So when did that happen? What's that about? 2009. Is that a park event? It's a park event. So, you know what? Like the old e-ticket. Like the old e-ticket. Like there was something really, really cool that we could do together as a group. And it came about with the closing of the Adventurers Club. Right? The Adventurers Club in Pleasure Island was one of those places that people really loved. And when we found out they were closing it, um, we decided let's rent it out. So the night before we closed, we rented it out, and they put on a show just for us. And it, we had dinner inside, which is something that they don't normally do, and it was awesome. So we used to do this every year. So we start to do these sort of hallmark events uh, once a year. Just a couple weeks ago, we rent out the movie ride. We ride, we're able to, to walk through, and you know, it's uh, it, it's it's about doing something that's cool, and, and you publicize that in the box. Yeah. And you see, it's great to see a lot of the same faces come back over and over again. Or not. Yeah, I think. Who am I, John, everybody? I wasn't expecting that. Just, you know. We're close. We're getting close. We're we can make some questions. I, I, I think rather than me asking questions and embarrass you, let, no, let's let them, them ask yeah. questions of you. No. And yeah. We never get a chance with you, though. But you're, this is always, always being pushed. You have this. You can ask me on Thursday, right? You can ask me questions on Thursday. And I'm going to show you photos backstage, too. So think about this as a live lightning round. Ask us anything. How's that? Really? That's great. Now you're scared off. So at the end of, the, at the end of my live news gathering, say, all right, here's five lightning rounds. Ask me anything that you want. Sure. Sure. I'll repeat it. Our tours. One of my tours. Uh, and I'm just going to walk um, to four or five places on the ship and tell you some of the fun I had when I was backstage and tell you in some ways I might relate it to a scene in this book or that book. But the uh, company has been so generous and wonderful to me and has let me into places that um, none of us will ever get again, including me. And I can share some of that. And, they're, uh, you know, to me, they're really fun stories, again, because you get kind of backstage on a ship that uh, it's, it's like when I got to rank. At one point, um, I was going to write a series based on um, child actors who worked for Disney Broadway. I still may do this again. So I got to um, wrangle the kids backstage on Broadway. I got to go with the wranglers. And 
I did this for about three days, four days in New York City, went to three or four different Disney shows with the children who were starring in it. And to see what it's like at a Disney musical backstage, um, there's a whole other play that goes on. Everything is choreographed. Everything is timed. And I kid you not to where I would be standing with my guide in a place backstage. It's all pitch black. You know, they're out there singing and doing all their things. And the woman or guy who was guiding me, the wrangler, would say, take three steps to your left right now. And I'd say, yes, you say now. And I'd go, okay, three steps. And she'd come with me. And these guys would run through where we'd been standing with some prop or piece of thing. And she'd go, okay, now we're going four steps to the right. And we'd go over like this, and they'd come through there. With, I mean, it's all that orchestrated and choreographed that had we not done it, we would have been paid. Um, <laughs> And, and that's, in a lot of ways, that's how these ships run. Um, what we don't see is, is what makes these trips so amazing and enjoyable, is how phenomenal this crew is and the cast members are. And they're backstage doing stuff at lightning speed. Just ask your food, your sober, at dinner tonight, how their day was and what they did, and you will hear what they've done all day, and, you know, from 7 in the morning until that moment they put their your plate um, in front of you, they have been smoking all over this ship, whether it's at lunch or this or cleaning up that or serving breakfast here. I mean, everybody just gives it their all, and it's really, it's really a fun part of the show. another question? When you're setting up your e-ticket demands, how difficult it is to negotiate Disney company and what does it go through? <laughs> the Disney company has always been wonderful to work with, and it is they are always incredible to uh, help us make the magic happen and be as accommodating as they can be. And I am uh, very, very fortunate to be able to work with them and have sponsors like Becky who help um, uh, effectuate and, and let, let these sort of events happen. So. And I can attest to that too. It's um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a reputation out there because Disney has some very good lawyers um, that they're a very difficult company. But uh, here I was nine years ago writing a book that had the dolls in small world coming alive um, and being nasty, you know, biting kids. And um, I had to submit my, uh, my first draft to the Disney attorneys for that. And, and I just wrote it off that that scene was never going to make it past the attorneys. And I said, that's good, you know. Um, and it took the Disney attorneys 11 months to vet that first book. It went through the Imagineers, it went through the attorneys, and up the attorneys, it went to the executive level. And that book came back, and not one word had been censored out of the book. They actually didn't read it. They just sat on the desk for a month. Like, just give it back. Just whatever. Just give it to them. No, I really mean it. I mean, they were incredibly generous in letting me take their very carefully branded products and take them out of the box. And and that was a risk for them. But um, as as tough as the company can be legally, they are, after all, and we've all talked to them, the, the reason they're here is they all love this land and this world and this magic. And they want to see it grow and prosper and, and, and infect our kids and everything else. And, and they're very generous to all of us in Shoe. I think we remark things differently, but I think we're both very grateful to them to allow us to 
share our individual, you know, passions for it in the ways that we do it. It's just amazing. And we, I'm sure we both have stories about the problems we've gone through and the conflicts. And, you know, that's business that happens on every level. But when you step back and look at what they are willing to do, it's really rather wonderful. Okay, this is a pot on the kettle. There have been other books besides city books. What other books have you written? So, um, the very first book I ever wrote, um, again, I was always a bit of a, uh, an entrepreneur. So, when I was in, this is sort of at the end of high school, beginning of college, um, I started a DJ business. Um, why do you hide your head and feet, Mario? Um, not a CJ business, a DJ. It's a DJ business. So, um, and as somebody who just wanted to learn how to do DJ, there was no book out there. And I didn't have any friends who were teaching. Because supposed to have soul. Yeah, I guess I agree. But, uh, so yeah, there was no book. So I taught myself how to be, be a DJ, and I was sort of frustrated by the process. I said, you know, I wish there was something out there. So I wrote. Um, on WordPerfect 5.0 for DOS. I started, I, started, it well. I started writing it on my Apple IIe, and then I made that leap of faith into the PC world. I wrote it on my, and, uh, and I literally, I, I printed it out, uh, and I took photographs, and I was taking photographs, and photocopying the photographs onto the book, and I was doing layouts, like, manually, and I was photocopying the books. I put a binding machine, and I wow. put a binding machine the books myself. And I was selling them in DJ magazines. Um, and then I, the orders were coming in so fast that I had to go to a regular uh, printer, and they had them bound. Oh um, and so I wrote the DJ handbook, which was my first book that I ever wrote. Um, I still want to read that. I have, co- I have copies. Um, so I, at the age of 11, was um, taking wine bottles, and uh, we, we got a huge rheostat. Big thing that would reduce power, so that we could run it through it. We got a roll of toaster coil wire, and you would we put it on these two wooden handles, and you would wrap the toaster coil wire around the wine bottle and hold it on for exactly one minute, and then splash cold water on it, and it would crack. And then you'd turn it around and crack it again, and take the top off, and you would have a glass. And then we took cases of these to automobile glass windshield companies and paid them by the glass to grind them down so that they were smooth. Then we took them home and we had emery cloth and we hand clean, you know, cleaned them up so they couldn't cut your lip. And we would sell these beautiful colored glasses uh, and, and I sold them all over town. Um, and made enough money to come down to Florida at one point. So wow. we were both entrepreneurs. That is very cool. That's awesome. This question is for Ridley. I believe one time I was watching a Blue podcast, and I don't know if you were teasing at that time, but do your daughters have unique names? They do have very unique names. Yeah. A friend, when my wife was pregnant with our first child, um, a friend would constantly refer to her tummy as short story and say, how's short story doing? How's short story doing? And we thought that was really, really fun and, and clever. And uh, when she was about to be born, we were looking for a name that we really liked. And uh, believe it or not, we were driving, we were on a book tour. We were on, back in those days, you did really long book tours. 
We were on a six-week book tour. She was with me on a six-week book tour. And I think we were in Nashville or somewhere. And we went by a big billboard, and it was an advertisement for pagers. And uh, my wife looked out the window, and it said, Pager. She said, you know, I always like the name Page. And I said, well, that's cool for a writer's child. Um, and so we thought if it was a girl, we were going to name it Paige. And, uh, and we would spell it differently with an I. And it was a girl, so we named her Elizabeth, which is my wife's name, Paige Pearson. And then our second child, we were thinking about trying for a second child. And I was doing a suspense novel on um, Ill- not really illegal immigration, but kind of um, bringing workers in illegally. And um, there was a bunch of research on my desk about China and the fact that every year there were 30,000 girls born, between 30 and 40,000 girls born in China who ended up in orphanages. Um, and that every three years they would be moved up a floor. Um, so at three they'd move up a floor, from three to six they'd move up a floor, six to nine they'd move up a floor. And my wife was reading this and she said, you know, when we were courting, we both talked about um, adoption. I think this is the time we do adoption. So our second child was adopted from China. And just getting her ended up the most unbelievable adventure you can ever believe, um, including a last-minute 11-hour, 11th-hour, um, all of us, the, 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 like, eight families having to go to the American embassy on a Saturday morning and petition for us to get out legally because all this stuff had gone wrong with our paperwork. But at the end of that, she said, you know, I think we should go back to short story, and I think our second child should be story. So we have Paige and story, and had we ever had a boy, he was going to be named Pam. Okay, so Luke, what's the next audio guide coming out? The what, My audio tours. I've done all the lands in the Magic Kingdom except for Tomorrowland. And I've been, I've been saying for a long time that Tomorrowland is like 90% done. And that number has changed. <laughs> it's now about 91% done. I thought you were going to say 40. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I could almost go back um, and redo it. Um, yeah, and I feel really bad because I want to at least get that Magic Kingdom set complete. Um, it is very high. Now that a lot of the event stuff is, uh, is over. So you have a trivia book to do. Audio tour. I've, audio audio. Audio. I've got my other project that I've been working on for about a year. Yeah, what is that project, man? Um, <laughs> that's a secret. There's only one. There's only two people keeping. That's it. That's that's an exercise in futility. Um, it is a Disney-related project. Cool. Um, and well, since I have to keep secrets, I'm not going to even probe you on that because it's annoying. Right. Like, it's. Uh, I, Maybe I'll give a hint to it tomorrow. Let's put things to think. So maybe tomorrow night during live show, maybe I'll give a hint um, as to what it could be. But I'm excited about it. I've been working on it for a long time. It's one of those weeks of faith. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It works. If it doesn't, if not, I've got, um, I've got a couple other projects. You're going to play Card Man on Broadway. What is it? Thor. Thor. It's time when all wives walk Thor. Yeah. I have a question for Ribbon. Uh, now that King of Keepers is... Oh, I'm very well. I'm okay. Hi. Hi. Uh, King of Keepers is winding down. Last book will come out. Uh, without giving away 
in the spoilers. So where are you going to go next with uh, with Disney stories? Uh, the first thing is is that um, I'm releasing at, one, uh, at least one and possibly three ebooks, uh, which will be on my website um, from the Fairley's point of view um, in the next six months. Yeah, I hope to, um, because I love the Fairley. Uh, I have a huge crush on that. Um, the, the second thing is, is that Disney um, offered me an opportunity to extend the Kingdom Keepers world. And um, I said, you know, well, this, the Kingdom Keepers is coming to an end. And they said, well, you know, and I had always thought maybe I would do another set of Kingdom Keepers books like KKI, Kingdom Keepers International, and go to the international parks. I polled all my readers um, at live events because I said, you know, if I do write another series, would you rather have, which I will do now for those of you who have read the books, um, would you rather have the next set of books set in the kingdoms, the real live kingdoms, or with the characters? So who here would like to see the books? And, and it had to be exclusive. It couldn't be combined. Who here would like to see the characters? Who here would like to see the location? Ah, now see, that's, I should probably figure that given the audience, but um, when I ask this to readers, it's almost exactly split down the middle. And it drove me nuts because I thought I can't possibly satisfy everything. Do you find that the younger readers are more character-driven because they relate to this? They're absolutely divided. The younger readers are absolutely divided between characters, don't you dare do it with anybody but them and jazz and and um, the other side of it is always location. And it just shocked me because I thought it would probably, honestly, be the site for location. So the poll basically was the poll turned out to be a complete well, <laughs> the, the poll made me realize I couldn't go a direction. And so um, there is a three set um, series of Kingdom Keepers books called Keepers of the Kingdom. And that will follow, I hope, a year after the Kingdom Keepers. And I can't tell you how that works, but it really works. And, and I'm really thrilled about it. Without repeating myself, I did not want to. At one point, my agent was saying, you could write 60 of these. I said, no, I can't. I want a story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so this seven-book set has a beginning, a middle, and a whale of an end uh, that I'm in right now. I'm in Walt Disney's apartment as we speak. Um, but uh, the, the second, the, this second series of three books, I think, especially this group and Lou's audience, as, as I was talking to Lou uh, at the beginning of the cruise through now, I realized, boy, I am preaching to the choir. You guys are not only, I mean, I'm going to have to talk to people like Jim uh, for weeks on end to do this right, but, but you guys, really more than anybody I will be writing to, are going to love this second series. So that's all I can I think we have time for one more question. Hey guys, this is for both of you. Um, I was, uh, I'm like Lou, I'd like to give as much Disney information as I can. I was reading the book called um, Unofficial Guide to Walt Disney World. Probably very officially familiar with that. But the writers in that book said that they didn't have any special privileges from Disney to do what they did to write the book. And they, every time they went in the parks to um, test the riders, they paid their own way. 
I'm just wondering, do you guys have past uh, uh, annual passes, or do you have some kind of uh, cast member privileges to get into the parks? I'll, uh, I'll take that one first, because uh, over the years, I've read some really interesting things online about what people's perception of, of what uh, I do and how I do it is. Um, let me be clear, um, and specifically quote a, uh, a very long post I saw on the discussion forum. Uh, every time I go to the Walt Disney World Resort, I am not put up by Disney and the Grand Floridian. I do not get a $500 gift card. I am not limo service and backdoored into everywhere I want to go. Um, other than things that I disclose, like a media event or a special, you know, press trip, things like that, uh, I pay full price for my annual pass. I full price for every one of my meals, for every resort stay, for the gas and the plane trips back and forth. Um, I get no special privilege from Disney, nor do I ask or want from them. So uh, everything I do is completely my own. So uh, for the people that sometimes say, well, he's only saying he likes Disney because we're giving him all this stuff. I say I like Disney because I flippantly love this place and this product. Um, and if, if I wasn't doing it, I would still feel the same way, you know. Um, so uh, I am very passionate about that because I, I don't like people having this perception that uh, I say what I say for any other reason than I just like talking about the things that make us happy about this place. So Disney treats me like Prince Charles. I got to get the big one here, man. I'm doing this wrong. Grand Floridian, swag, limousines, backstage access, VIP pass for my family all around the world. Four free cruises. <laughs> we need to talk. You and I, I we got all my airfare. Yeah, we got they, uh, but, but I also am the guy who makes the small world dolls to eat children. <laughs> <laughs> you see the problem here? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have, uh, I have absolutely nothing to complain about. The reason the Kingdom Keepers came about. Um, do we have like three seconds here? Uh, the reason the Kingdom Keepers came about is because uh, I had not been, I, I loved all the Disney movies and all the Disney myths. I had never been to the park into my 40s. And I wanted to go with my family, with Paige and Story, little Paige and Story, and I was pals with Dave Barry, uh, who writes a humor column from, from Miami. And I told him we were coming to the parks, and he said, not without me and my family, you're not, because I'm the world's expert on Disneyland. I've been there, on Disney World, I've been there a million times. So I said, great. And Dave is so smart and so good at everything, I thought, I've got to figure out some way to one-ups Dave. So at the time, my adult books were published by a, a division of Disney, a very distant Disney division, but nonetheless. And so I called them and said, look, I'm going into Walt Disney World with Dave Barry. Uh, you know, whom they knew in big time. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner. And I really want to show him up somehow because he's going to know everything. I just want to show him up. I know you guys are distantly related to Disney. Is there anything you can do? And, and my publisher, I spoke to the publisher of the company, and he said, Oh, let me make a call. Let me make a call. So, uh, Dave and I bought rooms at the Grand Floridian. And, um, for our families, and we went down there, and we open up the doors, and when we get in there, there are cakes in our room. They're swag galore, you know, all these bags of everything, stuffed animals, all whistles, bells, you know, tasers, um, and, and there's cakes with our personal books that we've done, photographically edible on top, saying, welcome, Mr. Pearson, welcome, Mr. Barry. 
there are all of our passes are fanned out for our trip, and it says, um, I can almost remember her name. I want to say Amanda. It wasn't Amanda. There's an image just stuck in my head. Um, but uh, she was delightful. But a, a VIP uh, guest hostess will meet you in the lobby at 7.30. So we go to the lobby, and we are shown around. The person she had shown the week before was John Travolta. And we get that treatment in the park. We're taken in backstage. We go in the back door of Disney in Mickey's house. And our kids get time with Mickey and Minnie alone. I mean, and it went just on from there. And sadly, that's how my kids thought you went to Disney World. I said, kids, it's not it because we would not even go in the fast pass. We would go in the exit and then take the door right into the front of the line. If we wanted to go again, we'd go again and again and again and then move on to the next. And we had reservations and all the rest. It was insane. And we, you know, today was just mind blown. And, and I got my one up. You know, it was great. Let me just let me be clear. I wouldn't mind some of that. <laughs> I'm not asking for it, but hey. But when I went back home, you know, being I hope raised well, I knew the thing you did is write a thank you note. And I called my publisher to say, you know, uh, thank you so much. I want to write you a note. What address? And he said, you know, it's not me. I I called a friend at Disney Books. So I and please thank her. So I called a woman named Wendy Lefton because she publishes the Bum Bum Guys, and he knew to call her and say, given the Bum Bum Guys, what can we do for these guys? Well, Wendy had arranged it all, and I'm having this conversation, and she said, Well, did you enjoy it? And I said, Did I enjoy it? And I went into everything they've done, and I said, And you know what struck me is is I'm a student of drama. And it amazed me because I've been to Six Flags and I've been to all these amusement parks, and Disney's attractions tell a story on every single ride. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end that's themed into this. And she said, You know, really, not everybody sees this. Have you heard of the Imagineers? And I said, No, what's an Imagineer? And she said, You know, there are guys who spend years writing a Bible on these rides. So there is a beginning, a middle, and an end, and a story told through every. And I said, oh, I would love to talk to those guys someday. How cool is that that you can make an attraction into its own story? And she, there was a pause, and she said, have you ever thought about writing for kids? And I said, well, I have kids, so I think about it all the time. And she said, for five years, we've been trying to think up a way to do a suspenseful story set inside our own theme parks where we don't harm the kids, we don't sabotage a ride, nobody gets hurt, the cops never show up, but we want it suspenseful. Can you think of a way? And I said, whoa, that's a challenge. And I went off and thought, and a month later, I, I submitted five outlines, you know, we've never found, uh, one of which was the current kingdom group. And uh, that's when they called back and said, we want you to write the Kingdom Keepers for us. Uh, and I said, you know, not, not without full access. And that's when they called back about a month later and said, okay, we figured out how to give you full access. So it was all through Disney's generosity in the first place of just being sweet to a couple of old writers that led to all of this. And in fact, right in that time, my daughter had asked me how Peter Pan had met Captain Hook. And I had gone down to Dave Ferry and said, I think there's a prequel to Peter Pan, and we wrote Peter and the Star Catchers. Well, Kingdom Keepers was already 
three quarters of the way written by the time we even started Star Catcher. But it took 11 months for them to vet Kingdom Keepers. And by that time, Star Catchers had come out. So Star Catchers was the first big book, and then Kingdom Keepers followed. So everything got turned around. But it was all through the largesse of the Disney company for no reason at all, giving us thousands of dollars in benefits just because I wrote this. So, I mean, you know, you never know how being kind, and this is one of the kindest men on the planet, you know, kindness propagates other things. We done? We done. Believe it or not, we are out of time. That's fine. Out of time. There's a, uh, there is an island calling these people's names. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week. We're asking you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history. See how well you pay attention to the details and maybe what you see or even what you hear for a chance to win a Disney prize packet. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So obviously last week we were all excited about going out on the Disney Fantasy, so I thought we would talk and give you a question about the Disney Cruise Line. And I told you that each of the Disney cruise ships has its own fairy godmother, and your question was simply to name them. And again, hundreds of you entered. Hundreds of you got this right. Thank you, Google. And the godmothers are, in order, from the Disney Magic. It's Patricia Disney. It was the former wife of Walt's nephew, Roy E. Disney. The Disney Wonder had the first animated character as a godmother. That was Tinkerbell. For the Disney Dream, it was Jennifer Hudson. And for the Disney Fantasy, it was Mariah Carey. And last week, you were playing for a special prize that included all six of my audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, a WDW Radio luggage tag, a button, and two tickets to the world chapter of the Disneyana Fan Club's holiday party featuring the voices of Disney Saturday, December 14th at the Contemporary Hotel. Special guests include Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, the Liberty Voices, Paul Madden, lots of other Disneyana Fan Club legends, and more. There's a silent and live auction to benefit the pediatric bone marrow transplant program at the Florida hospital. Lots of good stuff and a lot of good causes going on there as well, too. You can visit the WDW Radio blog for more information. But last week's winner is 
Brian Harvey. So, Brian, congratulations. Send me your address. We'll get your tickets out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So as work continues filming on the Brad Bird film Tomorrowland, shooting is actually taking place in Tomorrowland at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World at the Carousel of Progress. So this week, I want to test your knowledge of one of my favorite Disney attractions by asking you this. What are the names of the parents in the Carousel of Progress? You have until Sunday, November 17th at 11.59 p.m. to send your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. Again, you're playing for all the audio tours, a luggage tag, a button, a signed copy of Ridley Pearson's first Kingdom Keepers book, and a pack of Kingdom Keepers trading cards. Good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks again to everybody who joined us on our cruise on the Disney Fantasy and, of course, to my very special guest and friend, Ridley Pearson. If you didn't make this cruise or our last couple of cruises, that's okay because on this cruise I announced not just our next cruise but our next event and more because in 2014 we're going to go back on the Disney dream for the WW Radio Summer of Disney with the Lou Cruise and e-ticket event in Walt Disney World. We're combining our e-ticket event on land with our cruise at sea. We're going to go back for a four-night cruise on the Disney Dream to the Bahamas and Castaway Key, but this time we're going in the summer so a lot more families can come. Don't have to worry about taking kids out of school as we've been doing it in November and February. The cruise is going to be from August 10th through the 14th, but this time we're also going to combine it with our annual e-ticket special event in Walt Disney World. So we're going to have a pre-cruise event in Walt Disney World from August 7th through the 9th. So if you can't join us at sea, hopefully you can join us on land. I'll have more information on the events page over at wdwradio.com and I'll also have a link over to mousefantravel.com where you can get a free no-obligation quote for both the land and the sea package. And if you can't make it in 2014, that's okay because there's a lot more events coming up next year and beyond because I also announced our following year's cruise because in 2015, I hope you can join us on a Disney cruise unlike any other as we go to Alaska. I'll have more information and details as itineraries are released. Definitely stay tuned to Facebook and Twitter and the events page for more information. If you can't make it in 2014, you can't make it in 2015, don't forget we have Meet of the Month every month in Walt Disney World. And the next Meet of the Month is going to be on Saturday, November 23rd from 1130 a.m. to 1 p.m., at the Downtown Disney Marketplace, we'll be meeting at the seating area outside across from Gear Deli. So you don't have to worry about having a park ticket to join us. Great way to celebrate the season with a little bit of ice cream, coffee, whatever it may be. I'll have details on the blog and on the events page at www.radio.com. Also, I'll create an events page over at facebook.com slash Radio. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to visit the website for our daily blog posts, new contests, free newsletter, iPhone and Android app videos, photo galleries, discussion forums, and lots more. We have lots of different content for you in a lot of different ways. You know, of course, too, I love hearing from you, whether it's on Facebook.com slash Radio. I'm at Lou Mangiello on Twitter. You can call the voicemail. Be heard on the air at 407-900-9391 or email me and I'll answer your questions on the air at Lou at WDWRadio.com. 
Thanks again to MouseFanTravel.com for not just partnering with me for the show, but for helping out with everything on the Disney Cruise and the Disney Fantasy. Whether you're coming on our next cruise, coming to World, Land, Adventures by Disney, or maybe even out to Alani, visit MouseFanTravel.com. Becky and her team of agents give you the best possible prices, all available discounts, an incredible level of personal service, and help with anything you need, all at no additional cost to you. Again, you can visit them over at MouseFanTravel.com. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, you guys continue to prove that at meets, on social networks, and on the cruise last week. All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Come by, comment, and share links over on Facebook. Please also come review the show and the app over on iTunes. It's very, very helpful. Very much appreciated. And again, if you guys can vote over at podcastawards.com every day until Friday, November 15th for WDW Radio in the travel category, very much appreciated as well. Most importantly, I need to thank you guys every day and every week for letting me share my passion for Disney with you through the show and the videos and the events and so many other ways. I am truly the luckiest, most blessed man in the world, and thank you so very much for being my friend and being so supportive and letting me do this and share it with you in so many different ways. And I want you to do what you love each and every day, so don't ever be afraid to start working towards what might seem impossible Right? Just get inspired, gain some focus, and always have faith. Keep moving forward, my friends. So until next time, see ya. Hi, Lou. This is uh, Tony from Illinois, also known as Backside of Water in the Box. And I know you're uh, still on the 2013 cruise right now, but I just want to say that as soon as I found out the date of the 2014 cruise, was going to cover my 30th birthday, I immediately, while the show was still going on, contacted MEI, and I put down my deposit this morning. I am coming with you on the 2014 cruise on the Disney Dream. I cannot think of a better way to spend my 30th birthday than with my... uh, Fox people family and all I want for my 30th birthday is a hug from Lou Mangiello I'm counting down the days to August I can't wait I'll see you on the cruise and enjoy the rest of of this year's cruise hey Lou this is Sean over in Squid Washington just about as far away from Disney World that you can get in the continental United States. If you look at a map of the U.S. and look up at the northwest tip of Washington, that's, uh, that's us. I was on uh, the trip today. I was listening to your episode about the water activity. And it made me think of when I was at Disney World uh, last uh, two years ago now in, in May, we actually did take the watercraft. We weren't saying it. We were teaching the green. But we decided to take the watercraft from Magic Kingdom to the Polynesian. And I guess in what was sort of a happy accident that at the end of the day, so it was dark and the lights were all on. It was very, very nice. But it's sort of a happy accident. There was an issue at the Polynesian dock, so the boat got rerouted to the Grand Floridian. So not only did we get this awesome experience on the water, but we got to dock at the Grand Floridian and walk around that area at night, and I have never been there, at least that I could remember, so it was like discovering this whole new world, and then we discovered this path that I think you've mentioned between the Grand
Grand Floridian and the Polynesian, the Tiki Torchlights, and it was, it was a great day evening in Florida. And so it was a really, really nice time, and I would just echo what you had said about checking out the watercraft, the, the great trip, and just goes to show that sometimes when things go a little bit wrong, they, they turn out even better. Thanks, and keep up the good work. You've got